Bob's in a pod. Bob's in a pod. The fact that we can have a mother with shades of grey. We have had all kinds of relatives. You know, we have all kinds of relationships with shades of grey. You have shades of grey in your uh, love, romantic relationships, or with your siblings, or you know, we have had people who have had these um, some kind of conflicting feelings towards their parents. But you never have a mother who has any kind of ambivalence towards the child or towards the feeling of being a mother. So, but now that's changing, you know, in popular culture, you are talking about it. There are representations of it. That was Zera Nakvi, a mother of a 10-year-old boy. Zera is an author, journalist, and columnist. She recently released her memoir, The Reluctant Mother, a story no one wants to tell. We read her book and were really moved by her experience. On this Mother's Day special episode, here's our chat with her about her experience as a mother and a partner. Before we dive into the chat, a fair warning. The recording is not exactly up to our usual standards. The technology was not really kind to us today, but it's a compelling conversation nonetheless. Here's our chat with Zera. Hi Zera, welcome to Pops in a Pod. Hi Peter, hi Nader. Nader and I were talking in the introduction and this is a Mother's Day special episode, right? And one of the things Nader and I keep talking while there's so much information that mothers are putting out. It's a lot of it, I believe, and this is again my personal opinion, that a lot of it is romanticized, right? Like you'd have a lot of information, which is again, goes through not only just Instagram filters, but multiple filters before they actually reach uh, social media. So that's why when we went through your book, it was such a contrast, but also a refreshing take on motherhood. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, that was the intention behind it, you know to talk about the truth that often people are not allowed to talk about, which is hence the title, you know, a story no one wants to tell. So, yeah. So when, when you did eventually end up publishing the book, and because it's such a stark contrast to the way information flows when it comes to parenting, especially from a mom's perspective, what was the kind of response that you received from your uh, readers or you know, generally people uh, you know who, who analyzed your book or maybe critiqued your book or what were your initial reactions that you received so as far as the readers are concerned the response has been overwhelming and the word is overwhelming so not a day goes by that i don't get a message from a woman a reader saying that you know how she how much she has been able to relate to the book and how much it has helped her to accept herself uh, there was this message from a woman who said that she'd been on my Facebook friend list and though she didn't know me, she said that she she actually read the book and she felt so connected. And these are her words that I used to feel guilty about not being the motherly, you know, quote unquote, the motherly mom, you know, and uh, her family members often used to say to her that uh, you're, you're just doing it as a responsibility. You're not the kind of mother that mothers should be, as if there is a kind of, you know, mother that you should be. And this this lady, she wrote to me that after I read your book, I felt uh, an acceptance of myself for who I am as not just as a mother, but as a woman, as a person. So those are the kind of messages I keep getting. and. Uh, it's been, it's been, there's been overwhelmingly uh, loved by readers and I hadn't expected that kind of response. 
so yeah and everybody says that you know we we talk we uh, want to talk about these things but there's so much judgment from society you know the the kind of a binary of good mom bad mom like you have the good cop bad cop so you have the good mom bad mom and you don't nobody wants to be the bad mom uh, i i had a, a lady at one of my book signings at bahri sans i had a lady who came for the signing and she said i could have got the book at amazon but i wanted to specifically meet you and tell you that this is the book that i have been waiting for for the last 20 years so she hasan is 20 years old now and she said i wish someone had written this book 20 years ago but i'm glad that at least it's out there now i've been waiting for this book for two decades so that's that's amazing you know you just don't expect that kind of thing wow now i truly understand what you meant by overwhelming but i just want to go back to something that you said in terms of guilt right and while one lady came back to you i'm pretty sure like there's a lot of other women who have been directly reached out to you who could totally relate to that guilt yeah and that's something that you know nadir and i keep talking we've spoken in the past about right that unfortunately and you know we're using a platform like mothers day to talk about it but a lot of the guilt is put upon the mother right and we we see it very differently that's why we do a podcast called pops in a pod and there are times like i have to admit right like as dads we feel guilty also are we doing enough are we like the good dads as you say right good dad bad dad similar to good mom bad mom yeah and it's uh, usually self imposed uh, you, yeah. you don't even have to wait for anyone anyone from outside to tell you that it's usually self imposed and and uh, that's why you have this term that so many people are talking about which is mom guilt right yeah so um no maybe it is self imposed to a certain extent but it's also very much socially imposed you have a whole uh, you know plethora of relatives are like a, like i don't even know what is the collective noun for relatives there has there should be a proper collective nouns like you've got a pack of hyenas and a pride of lions there should be a collective noun for relatives you know so the entire pride of relatives descends upon you and tells you as to you know how your son or your daughter or whatever i have a son so the son thing comes instinctively so how your child is not well fed enough and you're not feeding the child enough and the child is not doing well enough oh in boy. school somehow or maybe or maybe totally the child is introverted yeah if maybe if the child is introverted then you're not making the child extrovert enough or if the child is extrovert then you're not making the child courteous and polite enough i mean it's you you can't win no matter which side you're on so i, yeah. I maybe it is self imposed but uh, for me i would say no it's not just self imposed it's very much socially imposed by the pride of relatives you know you know it's interesting that you say that right because and again i'm going to put this down to culture also because hmm. a lot of times in india we are still like n- while nuclear families are on the rise and we read about it but we're still like joint at the hip to our families so to say like you always are uh, not too far away from your family hmm. right i mean it, it's not like say in certain countries where you actually are far away and you only see your families on easter or christmas right that's the only time or certain occasions uh but i i just want to understand from your perspective right and just kind of seeing do you think because you've written the book about your experience and this was you know 10 odd years ago have you seen anything change since then or do you think it's got worse bad from your experience just you know as a third person now 
as an observer i think that it's always been there you know it's not something new it's always been there on mothers but what has changed over the last one decade is that we are now sitting here and on a podcast we're talking about it on a public platform so 10 years ago the the reason i just started blogging about this was i felt like a freak you know i wanted to know that there was someone else one person who felt the same way as i did and even if there wasn't you know i i felt like okay even if i am just one freak in this whole wide world okay i do exist so let me put my truth out there and then when i started blogging about it then i started you know getting messages from women across india across the world you know saying that we're so glad you're writing this because it's exactly what we feel but we can't talk about it so now that we can talk about it that's a huge change you know that the fact that we are talking about it the fact that we are having these conversations the fact that we're not uh, we're not treating ambivalence uh, uh, on the part of a mother as something which is villainous you know it's not you're not a villain the fact that we can have a mother with shades of gray we have had all kinds of relatives you know we have all kinds of relationships with shades of gray you have shades of gray in your uh, love romantic relationships or with your siblings or you know we have had people who have had these um, some kind of conflicting feelings towards their parents but you never have a mother who has any kind of ambivalence towards the child or towards the feeling of being a mother so but now that's changing you know in popular culture you are talking about it there are representations of it like the other day i was watching this film shakuntala devi you heard of it right so they show her as a mother who's very ambitious and she's not the very uh, typical kind of mother that bollywood shows she's not the mother india types right so the fact that we are actually accepting that these kind of feelings are normal for mothers or that these kind of mothers also exist without typecasting them as the villain Uh, is is a huge change it's very interesting that you brought up two interesting aspects right one is the whole ambivalence of you know mother or, or rather what what society thinks that a mother has to be a, a model of a mother right? a exactly. mother can't go wrong uh yeah. and then on the other end of the spectrum you have if father does something oh my god he's doing so much right so there, there there's that one conversation going on we are all aware of it we've also kind of you know been there and uh, i mean not accepted but we know it happens Uh, the second part is very interesting which you brought up which is bollywood right which is i think films rather um there there's a huge array of of films that this this country um you know loves right and uh, let's face it that's that's who we are as a people um uh, and we also have a section within our podcast where we actually um do a complete uh, analysis of the parenting characters in those films or those shows and are they close to reality or are they just you know whims and fancies of the writer and 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 director and i want to take this opportunity right now and pick up a quote directly from your book right and i quote i'm pregnant i thought i was at peace i had always seen in movies that women break into tears of joy and men swing their wives up in their arms on learning that they have new life coming i do break into tears but they are f- tears of shock of dread of dismay can you just walk us through that that quote right like what 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 was your feeling what did you really go through when when that came across so i was all of 24 and yeah i married at the age of 23 
I mentioned Bollywood because I think that I particularly, in particular myself, and also a lot of women of my generation have been totally ruined by Bollywood because we have led our lives believing somehow that this is what it's going to be like. You know, Shah Rukh Khan and Kajol romancing each other. At least I totally lived my life according to those Bollywood uh, fantasies. And um, me and my partner, we were in love. We got married, and we thought this was how it's going to be. You know, we're going to be traveling and having dinner date. This is how it's going to be. This is how life is. This is how marriage is. So, and the thing is that it was like that for us. We were both, you know, financially independent, and we were doing our stuff. He would go for his work, and I had my career, and we we were living just the two of us. We weren't living in a joint family as the the pack of relatives and stuff that as we were mentioning. So we we were not, uh, you know, having to deal with any of it, right? So, and then in the middle of it all, you're not prepared to be a mother. you're not ready to be a mother what we had imagined was that we would sort of enjoy our life for a couple of years and stuff and then we would be ready to take on that responsibility because this i was very much aware of that motherhood and parenthood is a huge responsibility bollywood notwithstanding uh, you see how your parents um, you know you see kind of how your parents take care of you and how much they have to sacrifice for you so you understand that that parenthood involves all of that and then when you're not prepared for it and you have so many other things lined up and so many other dreams and again this is uh, as i've written in the in the introduction to my book is that the the book was when the book was written i was when i started writing the book you know uh, i was 25 26 years old and the emotions in it are, that, are those of a 24 year old so it's from that perspective of a really young person who has all these dreams about you know her career taking off and her love life and all of that so motherhood didn't fit into my scheme of things at that point of time i wasn't ready for it so uh, to see to discover that this had happened and i wasn't ready and i just started crying i didn't i didn't know how to react you know i just didn't know how to react and i was suspecting and that's how the book begins no that i'm suspecting that i i am not able to eat and i'm feeling dizzy and feeling faint and uh, so so it was there was a sort of build up to that and who could i take it out on you know who could i take it on who do you take it out on <laughs> when you're angry <laughs> who do you take it out on the person who is closest to you because that's the person you can fight with so yeah i inevitably ended up taking it out on my partner and screaming at him and getting angry and then crying in his arms you know as it happens so yeah i mean it's also the age factor uh, women who uh, become mothers later in life and the more ready for it they have a different experience compared to women who very young that's a very interesting point uh, you made zara right and you would think that you know when you have all these books and all these people who are giving these you know pregnancy classes and stuff like that that motherhood or fatherhood is just going to be smooth right or it's just going to be like what you hear but when we were reading about your experience it just kind of brought to mind what somebody said right is that each person's parenting journey is unique uh one of the reasons why actually nadir and i started the podcast was because we realized that for dads there wasn't no reference right i mean when i became a dad 5 years ago my wife gave me what to expect when you're expecting and i was like come on like this is a book which is i don't know written when is going to be my reference so i just wanted to go back right when you were talking about being a young mother right you were 24 uh what what was the kind of references that you had for motherhood 
back then right like some of your friends uh other than bollywood of course which we've already talked about but books and things like that what well, it wasn't a part of the plan i was not even thinking about it you know it was like we'll get to that part when we when we get to it we'll think about it you know we'll think about we'll cross the bridge when we get to it but we just suddenly the bridge came to us uh, very unexpectedly so the references that i had were just you know my own mother my grandmother the women in the family the women that we'd seen and uh, mostly we hadn't seen them having a very much of a life outside of their children you know it's it's like a mother's life is totally centered on the kids and uh, i i i was a very and i'm still a very ambitious person and i didn't have any references of a lot of ambitious women around me so it was basically like just scripting your own story without having any anything to fall back upon because the kind of role models we have um and i'm from a small town and i've mentioned that in the book so the kind of role models that small town women have for motherhood are the kind of women who uh, for whom motherhood is the be all and end all of life you know it's like everything and even again i would refer to the media is that because i used to feel angry honestly i used to feel annoyed when i used to see these uh ads you know in which the mother is saying oh motherhood is the best thing my baby is the best thing that happened to me and i it was all i could do to not throw the remote at the television and say shut up you know it's like just so sugar coated it's not that's not how it is and i had uh, at the time that i was expecting uh, so one of my my husband's cousins she had just had a baby and we were at least i was watching how it was for her you know how much she had had to struggle and you know uh, and and again in my book i've written about it you know i did not have any kind of uh, fancy notions about motherhood at all and i i had heard all those stories and again this cousin her uh, one of the other cousins anniversary dinners were you know ruined i've written that in the book if you remember so i was seeing screaming and and tantrum throwing kids all around me so i had no fancy notions about about motherhood at all in fact if at all i was i was way more apprehensive than i should have been at that age so yeah i mean because because again as i said i was an ambitious person and i had to ha- fight a lot Uh, to get where i was to get to the big city be a journalist you know do things that i wanted to uh, and being a journalist involves late night timings and all those kinds of things that had no precedent in our families uh, girls from these respectable khandani families did not do all these kinds of things in the small towns like aligarh <laughs> so so to to get to a place where you had to really fight for it and you had no uh, road map in your immediate uh, surroundings other than the stories of inspiring women that you read in books which certainly did not factor in motherhood at all it's very very interesting point you brought up and uh, and we started the the episode by saying that you know how parenting especially from a motherhood standpoint is 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 airbrushed i'll 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 take this opportunity again to go back to one of your quotes from the book uh, since you spoke about ambition and how you are you know want to write and you've done so much work right and there's this very poignant point that you make which is and i quote when i had to let go of my job around the time that i was 3 months pregnant it took a pretty big toll on my mental well-being no, end quote not something that people would be readily talking about but here you are you you wear it as a badge of honor that yeah i did get pregnant yes it's not planned 
but it's clearly had an an effect on my professional life i'd like to hear your thoughts on that so uh, when i discovered that i was expecting after the initial you know crying and all the drama and we we do have a flair for drama i guess so <laughs> uh after that happened i realized that there were women in my office and they were having babies and you know keep working till the 8th month and they have their baby and they come back so i had to tell myself look it's not the end of the world it's going to be fine it's not the end of the world but then suddenly the world started ending for me so to say uh it i had all these huge pregnancy migraines i had i had extreme debilitating weakness i was throwing up you know you hear about morning sickness i had 24 hour sickness i was every every say half an hour in my office i was rushing uh, to the washroom to throw up half an hour 60 minutes like that and and i was just and i've written about all of these things in my book also that you know i was feeling drowsy all the time i couldn't write i couldn't think and my mind went numb and all of that was happening so but pretty much by the time i got to the third month i realized i just i couldn't get out of bed you know i couldn't get out of bed if someone was ringing the doorbell i had to crawl to the door that was the level of weakness i had and apparently i was one of those rare cases of women who are suffering so much in their pregnancy a lot of women don't experience that uh, but some do and uh, even those experiences should be talked about you know why should we not talk about them so that was a big it was a huge blow to me you know to to lose to have to quit my job at that particular uh, point of time and and when you're also ill and then there's there's no one around and again these are things that i have clearly written in my book that uh, having having a job or being in a profession that you love is also it gives you a peer group right it gives you people that you can talk to you have you've got friends you go there every day you have these discussions and you're you have all kinds of office parties and whatever you're hanging out and you're having fun but when you're suddenly at home and you're alone and that puts a lot of pressure on your spouse to constantly be your companion and he also has you know professional commitments and things like that so it's a very lonely place to be so it was a huge uh, blow to me to have to leave my job yeah it was very important as i said i had to fight with my family to get there to get that get to that position and suddenly boom it's all taken away yeah and you know i i can not even like even imagine 1% of that because uh, my wife was one of those who didn't have that much of sickness post the uh, first trimester right and even that was really tough because i was just like what we can't go to the our favorite restaurant and eat or we can't do that like that was the thing right and so i totally understand the part you're talking about like you know enjoying that compa- uh, companionship uh in there uh one aspect also you've talked uh, about the book is just being away from your husband right and i'm i'm trying to like imagine a 25 year old and going back to me being 25 that that would have been also pretty hard right and oh, especially really tough yeah talk to us about uh like how you kind of came through that because again in in that moment it seems like you know the entire world's crashing the world's against you but like when you look back at it now uh, what do you think kind of helped you with that so i think i think that before i talk about the separation i need to talk about the reasons for separation and again this is something that you are not supposed to talk about you're not supposed to talk about financial problems you are never supposed to say in public that there you could have some uh, financial issues and these are not things that anybody tells you that you know you when you have a kid you will have to deal with money as a problem 
because when both of you are earning and you're spending as much as you like and you don't even think about so much about the future at that age you're just you're just earning and spending and having fun and then suddenly one of you is not earning and then there's a third person and the expenses are skyrocketing so nobody tells you about these things nobody prepares you for these things and particularly uh, growing up in a culture where everything is attributed to god go ahead god is going to take care of everything I, i'm so glad you said it <laughs> and not me because oh bhagwan dekhega right like you just you just put your hope and everything else that it will be taken care of right and I mean, yeah. that can give you like a real false sense of security right no seriously i mean god helps those who help themselves that's that should be the the one that we talk about so yeah like to to be in a culture that totally says you know oh, go ahead have kids god's going to give, give bring the money i don't i don't know yeah we we didn't get any money coming to us from the heavens we had to go out and earn it so that's 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 exactly what happened and then my husband he got an offer from abroad he had to go abroad and we hadn't imagined that it would lead to a separation what he had been told was that two months four months stops he would get his family there he would be able to bring his family there that was his first and foremost condition you know because we didn't want to be away from each other we were anyway earning money here and we would have been able to earn more so it's not like we it was something we had to we were not in dire straits that we had to be away from each other but then it didn't it didn't happen like that and that was again a, an important life lesson learned and learned at much at at a really high cost you know that not everyone who's promising you things is actually going to <clears throat> fulfill those promises even if it's someone really close to you and uh, so what happened is that uh, my husband had to uh, you know he applied he he applied for that job and his visa was supposed to come uh, within a month or so and uh, and then he we would say take 6 months and i would be there so and then things things just happened like that and our, uh, the one who we we had a Mm, uh, the the landlady whose house we lived in she wanted to wanted us to vacate the house because her daughter had come from abroad and she had to stay and all of those things are happening so instead of looking for another house there we thought okay i'll just go back to aligarh stay with my parents for a while it's just a matter of a few months why to just set up another you know take another house and set up again and i'll be alone in any case if he's not here then i'll have to be alone how will i take care of the baby so but then i went i went home and then he stayed in delhi and he would come on the weekends and so basically all the things that i wanted in my uh, fantasy of dilwale dulhaniya le jayenge i had completely lost all of them i lost my job and uh, for all practical purposes i lost my husband it became a weekend marriage so my bollywood fantasy totally fell apart my and God. if if i may say I think if we talk to anyone who grew up in India in the nineties, right, that movie was like <laughs> the epitome of romance. And we all in India, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that there you have this person who has all these kinds of filmy Bollywood dreams, and all of her dreams are getting demolished one by one. So for a young person, it's it's really difficult to cope with that. and then then i was for a year it it took a year for him to finally get his visa and then when he went we were really overjoyed okay fine this one year has gone by and then we're going to be together but then another year went by and now he's in a different country and i'm in a different country and we're not even seeing each other when the the very little uh, amount of time we had with each other over the weekends even that was taken from us and here i was and and the the worst part of it is again because of 
being a part of the small town culture is that nobody considers this to be something huge it's it's normal it's normal and it happens a lot and i've seen a lot of women who go through this their partners are living abroad they come once a year and for women from the lower socio economic strata uh, i've i've met a woman whose husband used to come once in 3 years when i can't even imagine what that would be like what kind of a life is that and to have people tell you that this is normal you know this happens men go out to earn money women stay back and look out to the kids and and my temper levels are going up to the extent that i want to punch that person's nose and tell him how does that feel you know but this is normal people get punched all the time but but the thing is that this kind of a denial of suffering why do we get married you know and uh, again this whole question of what is the purpose of marriage it's just it's just procreation it's just you've you've got a baby that's that's it that's that's done now that you have a child it's the be all and the end all and even your partner should not matter the career should not matter is one thing because in in that in the uh, in the very holy pious scheme of things women should not be materialistic and they should not think about careers and money but even in that holy and pious scheme of things you should not even love your partner i mean how does that make sense you should not want to be with him or her whatever you know from the man's perspective why should the man not want to be with his wife or the, the woman that he loves from from both people right why 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 would you say to a woman that you know bacche mein dil lagao you know just focus on your child now it's not a replacement one person is not a replacement one relationship is not a replacement for another and it's also absurd because you have a romantic relationship with your partner it's not something you're going to have with your child for heaven's sake when it makes no sense so that kind of uh, denial of your suffering and not nobody understanding what you're going through it's a very lonely place to be very lonely thank you so much that you're you're sharing um, you know your 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 most private moments with us and we really do truly appreciate it but i think our listeners should uh, also be thankful that perhaps if they feel that they are in this journey alone uh, it's it's not the case because i'm pretty sure there are a lot of people out there who probably are uh, you know sort of facing these difficulties these challenges these periods of struggle um i wanted to ask you considering you you've spoken so much about the whole separation um what was how how did your relationship during this period with your husband develop so there was this one month after my son was born when we were still in delhi and that was kind of the golden month of the three of us being together and uh, me being able to witness my husband you know burping the baby or putting him to bed or taking turns with you know bathing the child there is a, there is a joy in doing all of that together you know when you have a child the struggles notwithstanding there is there is a great joy and pleasure in watching each other uh, you know take care of the child right so that there was that that one month and in spite of all the fatigue and the stress that i felt i still felt happy that i had this man beside me the person that i loved and even if i am crying at least i have him to cry with but after that i mean the when you talk about the relationship developing there was where and how would the relationship develop it just turned into a long distance relationship and with two people a long distance relationship might still work i mean i don't know how do people make it work with a kid i don't know that 
people do make it work, but perhaps, uh, well, I don't know. It's just up to every individual to define how they want to live their life. But I don't know how to make that work. And from the point of view of my husband, he still says, you know, that I missed all my, my son's milestones. Right. I, I, I didn't see when he started walking and I didn't see when he started talking. I just missed those milestones. So he missed three years, important years of his son growing up. And uh, I missed all that joy and the pleasure that comes from having a child and, you know, taking care of the child together. So it obviously it starts falling apart after a moment, after a point of time, it starts falling apart and the distance grows and you, you want it to remain the way that it was, but it's very difficult. To a certain extent, I can uh, relate to you because while I was doing my uh, MBA, my wife and I were apart from a year mm. and like, I was actually an hour and a half time difference. So you'd actually think it's not that bad, but it's rough. I mean, like I had, I had realized when I was very young that long distance relationships are not a good thing for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the amount of time I spent on Skype and thank God for WhatsApp, right? Yeah. And also let me remind you that this was like 10 years ago. So, and when my husband went to Oman, there was no video calling available there because that country, they, they block these international, they, they, they have no Skype and, and all these, uh, they, there were these apps at that time, Line and Viber and all of that was in trend at that point of time and there was nothing available. And WhatsApp did not have any video calls at that particular point of time, as far as I remember. Even WhatsApp was a new thing. I remember when my husband moved to Oman, he, he forced me to get a touch uh, phone because I refused to use touch phones. And I can't handle them. And he was like, no, you have to get them, and because you you can't have WhatsApp on that, and this you need to have WhatsApp. So it was like ten years ago has been. There's been huge changes in the last ten years, right? So life has changed in so many different ways now. Long distance. I mean, now in the last in the pandemic, you know, we we all of us kept touch with our friends and relatives through video calling. But when when my partner he went abroad, there was no there was no video calling between us. Like that. So, actually, that's one of the things I told my wife, right? Like whatever we could salvage or keep our relationship was through WhatsApp pictures and stuff like that. But I want to touch on a different aspect of what you had brought up earlier, right? Which was the career. And uh, while I was prepping for this episode today, uh, I came across this uh, tweet someone put. And I think it's actually very apt. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I'm just going to quote the tweet I read. Uh, it says, it's always about working moms. No one says working dads. A woman has to figure out working after marriage, never a man. A working woman's life changes after having a kid, not a man's in terms of job. Married women aren't preferred for hiring due to the possibility of pregnancy. End quote. I just want to understand, like, is this something that you've experienced? Did you try going back to work? Uh, post uh, your son being born and what was that? I mean, because this is really powerful, right? And this is somebody in 2022 writing it, which from my experience, I think it, it's a fair assessment, right? So that's that's the sad truth that uh, even today, even now, we think that taking care of the home is primarily the woman's responsibility. So if if you have if you're a working woman, then and a lot of women also say things like often they say that feminism has created double the burden on us. Earlier we were just looking after the home, and now we're having to look after the home and 
the work, uh, the professional work. But the fact is that the, this burden has been created by by our culture in which men are not encouraged to contribute or be equal participants in the home uh, home chores or the the duties of taking care of the home, right? Because if you're both working and then both of you are taking care of the financial responsibilities, then both of you should also take care of the home responsibilities. It makes sense, but it doesn't happen, and we don't have a culture that encourages it. And uh, uh, I personally have experienced that my partner, who's he's very uh, active in uh, taking his share of the home responsibility, he's often he he becomes uh, people joke about it. You know, people would try to shame a man who actually tries to take responsibility at home. They would try to shame him for being a lesser mortal. Or uh, one of my friends actually, one of my good friends actually uh, made a comment upon this during the lockdown when we were talking about how we've you know both of us are just. Just getting killed by the fact that we're all managing the home responsibilities without the house helps and everything. And I said that I am uh, uh, because I was also I got COVID and also he was taking care of everything, including the child. And I was just sitting, you know, sleeping in my bed. So this friend says, "Oh, you have a very obedient husband." You know, in the way that wives are obedient, right? because a good wife is an obedient wife so you have a very obedient husband and that's very offensive you know because if a man is actually doing what he's supposed to do if you have a if you have a partner who's working and you're supposed to take care of the home and then you're getting shamed for it so because of the this kind of mindset which is prevalent in our culture so obviously employers are also uh part of that same mindset so they think that a woman who's working will obviously have to be the primary uh, person taking care of the home that's that's how yeah, it is actually i'm glad you said that right uh, two things i have to add is one is let's let's not get started on paternity leave nadir and i have done an entire episode on that and i think that speaks a lot about uh, corporate india but the second thing is what you said right brought brought to mind a story Uh, a dad that we spoke to uh, last year in june and uh, he narrated the story of how you know because he he decided after his twins were born to stay at home and take care mm. of them and his wife would go to work so automatically he became an anomaly mm. in indian culture uh, but the second thing is because he was doing it and now among their friend circle everyone started knowing that you know he was a dad who was taking care and doing stuff uh when they met up at parties his friends would take him and aside and say you know can you not say this because mm. the moment we leave all our wives are like oh look he's doing it why can't you do <laughs> so it kind of flips right so for the man also it's kind of that oh how can you do it we end up having to do uh, there's a pressure on us to live up to those standards <laughs> yeah but i'm glad that there are men who are choosing to do this in spite of all the pressure that there is on men and and speaking of pressures we've we've spoken to so many people on the podcast we've you know recorded over 120 episodes and we keep having this discussion debate however you want to call it that despite being in the information age today with the way technology is building and i i can only speak uh, you know from an india perspective because there's enough and more data to kind of support it um uh, there, there is a there's a there's a part in your book where you also write that you know the effects of patriarchy are you know very strong uh especially when you become a mother so it's both the sections who are, who are kind of sort of fighting with each other right women 
who are you know shaming uh, other women or other parents and but on the other side yeah. you obviously have you know the men folk who are probably doing doing the same thing and in your case it's a very interesting case because you've seen both sides uh, you know from a long distance relationship standpoint uh, you know managing uh, a young child at you also being at a very young age where do you see this like do you, do you see this changing or have you seen that the change has already happened people are now finally accepting it understanding it considering you've written this 10 years ago certainly changing certainly but more so in big cities and metros not so much in small towns but of course things are changing but the pace of change is uh, is very slow in small towns you know and uh, even even educated people and this the person who made this comment about me having an obedient husband is 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 a very good friend of mine he's he's a man and see men judging other men it's what you talked about you know both ways both sides and uh, he's very uh, accomplished and everything but the mindset you know is because it's years and years of condition it takes a long time to die but then yes we do now of course have examples of men who are taking career breaks to t- stay back and become the primary parent so at least we have those examples to quote at least we have one person who's creating that pressure on all those other people right so that's a that's a huge change and uh, yeah 10 years ago you wouldn't even have heard of it yeah and um, you know one more thing i just want to add is in india we have this whole thing about you know education equals being progressive yeah. understanding and things like that and i think uh, that's where we fail majorly right like you can be somebody who's got like a phd fall i care but it doesn't change your mindset right like education will only make you good it doesn't make you a good person it doesn't change your mindset it only ensures that basically you know what's written in a book yeah. that's the way i i uh, look like at it like you say you know you can take the, the man out of the village but you t- can't take the village out of the man <laughs> yeah and you know what that actually statement is much better when you say it in hindi than english right? <laughs> 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 but uh, i i have to ask i mean we've had a great conversation so far but one of the things that you know while i was going through your book and uh, this comes from personal experience that's why I want to first set context to it, then I can ask you the question. Is uh, when I was about sixteen years old, I'm the eldest son of uh, three, and uh, when I was about sixteen years old, uh, my mom was very slowly talking to me just about, you know, the whole situation around when I was born and stuff like that. And this is the mid '80s, right? So things were very different. Like we were talking about WhatsApp at that time. like email was <laughs> something that people had never heard of back then like long distance calling was a huge deal yeah i know and this was hello hello awaaz nahi aa rahi hai yeah exactly and so my mom uh, when i was born uh, she was pregnant with me in the middle east right and when she talked about just you know the same thing that you talked about the loneliness mm-hmm. or just the pressure about being a parent and how everything she had to go through right and at that time when i was 16 i felt because it was my mother and for the first time my mother expressed such feelings towards me and just telling me and i was just like wow like you know there's one thing when they talk about mother's love and then when you hear like the kind of thing your mother went through before you were born and then my mom didn't do this just once right she had two more kids so i was yes, just like yes wow wow <laughs> like it's unbelievable right and i'm thinking now uh but when i became a parent right that stuck with me and i looked at it so differently because as a parent i could now relate far more 
so which now kind of comes to my question uh, would you be doing something similar uh, like how my mother did uh, with your son would you be talking to your son about it uh, how how would you like kind of break that down because like you know you kind of relate far more like it, it, that i i feel a certain way our relationship changed that day hmm. because now i could actually understand uh, there and if i'm not mistaken your son is about 10 or 11 so he's not uh, too nine, far away nine. from he's that going to be 10, yeah. oh he's not okay okay so or have you actually already started just dropping hints i mean considering so, the book is out i mean you have to consider the fact that he's living in a house where there are books titled the reluctant mother lying around <laughs> and and there's been a huge grand launch uh in which everybody's talking about the reluctant mother <laughs> and he's sitting there so you have to consider the fact that this the question of breaking it to him has already we've already crossed that bridge and uh, uh, because because we've been having these conversations even with my you know relatives and cousins and friends and because ever since the book has been launched i think maximum conversations have been about this and he's also listening to me having you know talking about the book in all these events and people asking these questions and and because everything is online now so all of my women's day speeches and this and that he's getting a great course in women's studies at the age of 9 <laughs> so yeah so then uh, the interesting thing is sometimes uh, uh, as you would say the universe uh, brings you these interesting coincidences which perhaps uh, would um, otherwise things would be difficult but they make it easier so what happened is around the time that my book was launched and we were you know the hype was building up and everything uh, two of my sisters in law they had their babies one of them had 6 months ago and the other one just like 2 3 th- months ago and so when we would sit there and we would talk about my book and both of them would then start talking about their own experiences as to how difficult it's been it's like oh my god your book is absolutely relatable and even though they hadn't read it by then but just talking about the fact that it's so difficult and people don't allow you and he would be sitting there and he would be listening to all of those things and then one of and then my my husband's brother uh, came over and stayed with us and he had a little uh, girl 5 6 months old and uh, because my son is really attached to her cousin and to his uh, to his cousin and to his uncle and he said i'm going to sleep in their room and the baby cried all night long and he came to me in the morning and he's like mama yeah, i totally get it you know parenting is so hard <laughs> because <laughs> like i totally get it parenting is just so hard you know how how would you have been managing with me staying up all night long would you like cry like that that's so perceptive right of 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 him to actually and that that's he a is, great yes. sign that is picking up the right things and and hopefully that is going to shape his mind when he grows up so very very cool very cool but uh, th- thanks so much i think that's a great note to end this uh, mother's day special episode uh, th- thank you so much zara for being just so honest and candid with us right we really appreciate it just sharing your thoughts well, thank you peter thank you nadar it's been a thanks pleasure thanks so much zara hopefully more and more women will hopefully publish through different mediums about the experiences and more and more people can can learn and read about what what parenting motherhood fatherhood is is really all about and it's just not one sided 
Yeah, I think a lot of motherhood narratives are coming out these days, and this is something that has changed in the last ten years. Because when I started writing, there was this was something which was totally unspeakable, and now there are so many books coming out which are talking about motherhood. So it's it's changing. The tide's changing in that sense that at least we are having these conversations, and uh, we are we are uh, accepting the fact that a mother is a human being. It's not a goddess, you know. It's it's just a person. There's a woman. There's a person inside the mother, and all of your needs and dreams and desires just don't go away because you have a child. You remain that same person, and there's an added dimension to you. Not that it's just one dimension. And that was Zera Nakhvi with her unfiltered chat with us about her experience as a mother. You know, honestly, Nader, I've never come across a raw account like this of a mother ever. and reading zera's book was really eye opening her book and the conversation that we had with zera right now i mean every individual parent knows what they are going through in their parenting life and here is zera who's you know just left no stone unturned and she's just come out and said that yes this is what real parenting life is all about and i think that's great uh, kudos to somebody like zera who's putting out her her life or experiences for other people to probably connect with and uh, i i really respect that i really do it was a great great conversation and uh, we thanks zera for her unbridled confidence in in talking to us about her parenting journey right that's all from us from this episode uh, as always if you want to reach out to us you can drop us an email at popsinapod@gmail.com or you can reach us out on our website popsinapod.in you can also search for us on social media just search for popsinapod and we'll be right there instagram facebook you can look up peter or myself on linkedin and twitter as well and yeah we keep putting up content and if you know of someone who would be interested in talking to us about their parenting journey their relationship uh, their professional journey please feel free to send them our way and we'll be happy to chat with them until next time thank you so much and great mothers week mothers day mothers year